Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Are there any words to explain what we just witnessed? I, I, I don't think so. This is again been one of the craziest games that i have seen uh in inter miami's history and it it seems like it just is coming on a week to week almost day-to-day basis not even week to week because they've played every four days since july 21st um to a one month in one month and two days exactly in and messi has not only cemented this club uh with a trophy but they're advancing to another final the u.s open cup final uh, a competition that's been around for 108, 109 years um, and normally is the way to get into the CONCACAF Champions Cup. But with the new and revised Leagues Cup, Miami have done themselves a service and, and got on there. But what a what a match it was. It was frustrating. It looked tired at times, or for most of the time, I'll say. And yet again, Messi comes in and saves Inter Miami with two absolutely beautiful passes. Uh, Gian with the, with the Ecuadorian jersey, uh, it's something Campana. Messi puts the ball on Campana's head twice to tie the game in regulation. It goes to extra time. Kremeski with a great pass into Martinez, who beats Matt Miazga, um, and slides it past the keeper. His shot past the keeper. Kubo ends up scoring a wonderful goal, uh, in the 114th minute. Or so, Miami didn't really get any other chances uh, leading up to the 120th until the final whistle was blown. Goes to penalties. And yet again, this time it wasn't as dramatic of a penalty shootout as it was against Nashville in the League's Cup final, but this one was still pretty dramatic with Benjamin Kremeski, as we saw against FC Dallas, taking the fifth penalty, probably electing to take the fifth penalty, and he scores it with class to the side netting, beating the keeper Holy moly. Uh, that was kind of a quick rundown. There's so much to get to, but Gian, what are you feeling right now, given everything that's just transpired and given what Messi has seriously given to this team over the course of a month, but now putting them into a second final um, in um, 33 days being with the club? I feel really, really good right now. Really good. I didn't feel so good about like 10, 15 minutes ago. Yeah. I, I was really nervous. I was actually like, uh, I, I, throughout the game, I felt like I was more pissed than anything. But I guess before we maybe get into the actual, actual game, just overall, I think that it's just incredible what we're witnessing um, because we've seen Miami go through all types of things like they've they've been able to just pummel teams and they've been able to come from behind multiple times including this last game so just seeing a team that like just handles adversity so i mean they just don't give up they're so resilient and even like i said i mean when we saw us go down like there's a difference between going down and seeing your team in the game and you're like, okay, you know, it's a tough game, but Inter Miami's playing good. Like, 
you know, maybe we can we can claw our way out of this. But when we went down, we were playing terrible. Like I was, I mean, I I stayed a faithful fan and I watched the game and I'm like, you know, I always held on to hope, especially with Messi uh, in there. But it was really tough to watch at times. But overall, man, we just we just keep it going. We took the League's Cup. Now we got a final coming up for the U.S. Open Cup. And if you're watching this and you're seeing what Inter Miami is doing, just what they just did with the league's cup, what they just did now against the best team in the league, sitting nice and comfy atop the league. I mean, how do you not look at this team and say, hey, man, we got 12 games left in the league. Like, there's a shot. There's definitely a shot, right? Um, I'm going to have a huge rebuttal on that one. But before we get to that, <laughs> um, we'll go to Ashley, who just joined in here. Holy moly. I, I tried to give a quick rundown, but that's kind of impossible. Gian just gave us his thoughts about how this was just magnificent in the end, but kind of torturous in the in the first half of it. Ashley, what are what are your thoughts coming coming out of this one with Kermeshi scoring that fifth that fifth PK to send it to the final? Um I don't know. I'm almost a little bit speechless. I you know, every second of that game I was like, Oh, they're too tired, they're too tired. You know, it's the time has come, but Messi's will to win and the will of a champion it uh it makes itself known and and just like he set up that final ball for uh Campana and you know just setting up the play and having everyone motivated it uh it worked out again it's just this team is literally uh, unexplainable yeah it, you know I, I went off in the last podcast and I, I think a lot of it was because I, I didn't feel like this was sustainable and I guess it's proving somehow to be sustainable just to rely on Messi um, and only on Messi when, when you need it most. And that's exactly what's happened over the last two games. You saw the goal against Nashville in the league's cup final. You see the two balls that he plays for Leonardo Campana, who almost had relatively nothing to do other than just make sure he had enough neck strength to beat the keeper. I mean, just a phenomenal performance, at least in the end there uh, leading up, as Gian said, it was frustrating. It was hard to watch somewhat torturous even it was a starting lineup that jay said quote unquote wasn't it i i think that there was too much for them to change um and only a three four day span coming off the the win against nashville and i i think that they actually as much as i said at pregame i think they actually played in the cincinnati's hands i thought they were going to head and, and play into their hands be able to keep possession between the midfielders and you know a, a back of eight with the the three and the five but no, it actually played in the Cincinnati's hands because they couldn't connect going forward. And that was kind of the biggest problem um, for Miami in this one. It was really an issue of them going forward, not being able to connect, no threatening chances at all uh, from Miami in this one, other than the Campana goals, really. I, I can't really think of a shot that actually made me think that they had a chance at scoring. Cincinnati doing well outside of possession, um, holding a back line of eight or a block of eight, I should say, just like Nashville did. And that was something that I had worried about as well, saying that Nashville kind of set the precedent, the precedent and saying, this is how you can go ahead and sustain Inter Miami and, and Lionel Messi. But at the end of the day, uh, well, Messi just pro provides moments of magic. And that's kind of the, the storyline here. And that's what even the um, Pat Noonan, the FC Cincinnati coach said before the game, uh, there was, a quote from him, I'll probably go ahead and try and find it right after I let you guys speak, but him talking about Lionel Messi and saying that when you leave it up to one moment, you don't know anything can happen with him on the pitch and the quality that he has. And that's exactly what happened here tonight. Um, but let's talk about kind of what Campana provided, because I, I know that this is a topic of discussion and the connection with Messi is, is obviously there. They, they found him in two great positions, but overall, this Campana Martinez debate is definitely going to revel on as the season continues. There's 12 games left in MLS. They're going to try and make the MLS playoffs. Of course, uh, the final is to be played on September 27th, which is a Wednesday. We're waiting the result of the rail salt Lake Houston dynamo match. That game being played in Houston. If Houston win, Miami get the final in South Florida. If Salt Lake win, the final will be in Salt Lake. So that's something we'll have eyes on throughout this entire post-game show. Let's get a quick word in from one of our amazing sponsors, Laco Azuda, and we'll get back to the Campana debate. 
If you are ready to transform your backyard into a haven of relaxation and luxury, look no further than our amazing podcast sponsor, L'Aqua Azura Pool Services. With over 20 years of industry experience, L'Aqua Azura is a name you can trust when it comes to services, equipment repairs, and restoration for all things pools. If you're looking in the South Florida area for your pool to be serviced on a month-to-month basis, L'Aqua Azura boasts an impressive five-star rating on Google reviews, and it's a testament to their dedication to the customer satisfaction and top-notch service. Also, if you mention Messi & Co., you will get your first month of pool service absolutely free. So don't wait for pool service, patio renovation, or more. Call them now at 954-793-7206 and get a free quote for any project. Thanks, L'Aqua Azura. So, I want you to go. Yeah, I want yeah, you to go. I've, I've been keeping this in. I've been keeping this in. I've been wanting to talk. So, the Campana debate. I think in order to talk about Campana, you got to start from the beginning. And the beginning is that the game plan from the start of this match by Tata Martino was horrendous. Horrendous. You've got seven games, seven game sample size from what we have in the League's Cup where he was able to tinker and find a lineup, a formation and a lineup. So, and the personnel that works for Inter Miami that gave them proven results. And what does he decide to do? He decides to come up with some crazy experiment in the middle of a semifinal where not only does he change the formation, the way Inter Miami plays, as if that's not tough enough, but hey, let me change the formation and let me change the players in the formation. So let me mess, let me do two different experiments in a semifinal. And this wasn't like, oh, we already won the League's Cup. You know, um, the, the U.S. Open Cup doesn't mean anything. That's BS because we know that Messi was uh, – it's been said, you know, is Messi even going to play because he's had so many games under his belt, you know, at his age. Same thing with Boosie, same thing with Alba. And when he was asked about Messi, he said, no, Messi's going to play. Messi wants to play. We're trying to win right now. So that wasn't a, you know, I don't care about the U.S. Open Cup. I don't know what was going on through his mind, but he completely obliterated that game plan and the, and the personnel on the team. You've got Kremaski that is really good at creating the game for Inter Miami, really good at connecting with Messi, really good at connecting with Joseph. He takes him out. He puts John Mota that hasn't played in months. He takes out, he takes out Arroyo, who has done a great job defensively, has done a great job playing his role in the midfield. He might not be the most talented. He might not be the most you know, uh, uh, fun to watch, but he's done so good at his spot. And he puts in Diego Gomez, who has hardly any playing time, who's someone that likes to go up forward, very much forward. And what did that? What ended up happening? You had Busquets that was basically alone in the middle. You had Gomez that was playing. I think he thought he was a forward. Maybe he got the wrong instructions from Tata. <laughs> uh, you've got John Mota that couldn't put a single pass. Uh, I, I, I mean, it was like it was ridiculous. I would have rather had like an orange cone instead of John Mota. Like it just. <laughs> It was ridiculous. So then what can you expect from Campana when Campana's sole game, It's because it differs from Joseph, mind you. Joseph, and Tata has said this, Joseph is not going to be like that pure nine that's just going to be waiting in line with the defense, waiting for a through ball. He's going to come in and be part of the game and, and help with the buildup. That's not Campana's game. Campana's game is to be at the top, waiting for a ball. He's more of a pure nine than anything. He's not one that's going to get as involved in the game. So all game... Nobody was putting a ball to him, not to him, not to Messi. You had to, you saw Messi and Cabana both having to come into the midfield to look for balls because it, nothing was getting through to them. On top of that, throw in that, that whole mixture of just Inter-Miami and throw on top of that that you've got you've got Philadelphia. No, uh, wait, I'm sorry. Um, got, Cincinnati. Sorry, I got confused. Cincinnati that is playing really good defense. They're closing all the lanes. They've got the, that defensive line and that midfield line so compact that it's hardly, it's very difficult to get anything through there. It was just a nightmare for Campana and Messi. Messi was struggling. Campana was struggling. So the fact that Campana was able to get two goals in that mess of a game where nothing was happening to me is incredible. And it's something to, like, I'm not going to say, okay, Capana had a spectacular game. He was amazing. He wasn't. 
But who was amazing in this game? Nobody was amazing in this game. It was a gritty, hard-fought game. Miami was fighting against themselves. There's nothing in that game that, that made me look at Cincinnati and say, oh, damn, this is the number one team in the league. Because they looked like a hot, like they were organized, but they weren't doing much of anything in the first half. So, I mean, I'll end my rant with, again, I don't say Campana played amazing, but for what was given to him and what he had to struggle through, he made, he got us two goals. And I think we very much owe this game to Campana. Well done. Well, well done. done. I, I mean, stick up for your countrymen. The, the oh, yeah. Hold on. Sorry, I forgot to do this. I forgot to do this. Sorry. <laughs> the rant was beautiful. It was honest. It was truthful. It, it was it, it was valid. It was correct. I, I do agree that Tata had this wrong from the beginning. It was not what Miami should have done. There was no reason to have a midfield three of Monta Busquets and Diego Gomez. There was no reason really to have a back five in a game where you should have been controlling possession. And in reality, your possession, you know, controlling stayed at the back and it never went forward. You're right. Campana never got the opportunities. He's more of a holdup striker. They never even gave him a chance to touch the ball. And you saw a lot of Messi having to drop in to get himself on the ball. There were times where he was frustrated, not being able to receive it in areas that he wanted. I think time and time again, we're going to have to figure out what the best lineup is for this team. Have we seen it yet? My answer is no. Because of what I saw from Farias coming off the bench, I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, I think he's a player that should be starting. Unfortunately, we saw Robert Taylor come on and, and play more of a reduced role as a wing back, which to me makes absolutely no sense. And it's never made sense, even when Phil Neville was doing it back in the day. I tweeted out that I thought that that experiment was over. I thought it died with Phil Neville being sacked. But no, Tata Martino reverts back to it. And I guess maybe he needed to because you need some sort of stability and he's played in that position and you had to be a little bit risky in order to go ahead and get goals. But at the same time, it's wasted talent. And, and I think that that's kind of what you saw in this one. It was wasted talent. You didn't see Campana get the ball in positions that he should. You saw Messi having to drop in and granted that's not wasted at all. But at the same time, you needed him forward in front of the box because they never made any entry passes into the 18 in this one. There was almost none. The only guys really making passes into the final third was Busquets from the midline and, and uh, Messi. That was it. I think Messi had about 15 passes into the final third. Busquets was like 11 or 12 by the end of this one. And that was really it from a lot of the players in this game. And I think that that is a, is a cause for concern. I think you have to assess what happened in the midfield and realize it's probably not what's going to happen on Saturday against New York Red Bulls. Because really, this team has to start winning games. You cannot leave it until late. You cannot go until penalties in the actual league. You have to win at least nine of your next 12 games in regular time going forward to make the MLS playoffs. If they're serious about that, something has to change. And I'm sure Tata Martino will do it. But Tata Martino has proved in his career, especially as a coach, to be a really good managing cup manager. I think he, at the end of the day, he's got them to a final. He won the league's cup. And as much as it wasn't pretty and we didn't like some of the decisions, they got over the line. They got over the hump. And we'll see what happens in September. But, you know, you, you have to say and you have to give credit where credit's due. A lot of it goes to Messi. Messi putting the ball in Campana's head is just phenomenal, especially the second one. I, I, I genuinely don't understand how that pass had that much airtime and dropped in so perfectly to Campana. It, it doesn't make sense to me. The pass from Kromeshki in extra time uh, to find Martinez and to beat Miazga off the run was also great. Um, but there, there's so much to be said for this performance. And I think that we're going to have a lot of these types of conversations and we can start celebrating here in a second, but we're going to have a lot of these conversations uh, in MLS because it might get a little bit dicey uh, down the stretch when they're really competing for points. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're in a final. They're, they're in a final. Ashley, you have anything to add about what you, what you saw gameplay wise? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that John said it best that trying to change the, personnel and the formation at once um, probably wasn't the best idea. I understand that they wanted to change personnel from the fact that just emotional and physical exhaustion. Yeah, I think they probably could have made not four changes, maybe like two changes and keeping the same formation. Um, I, while I think that Mota was like, not what I was expecting. I don't hate that he tried to do it. I would, if he had kept the same formation and he did like a direct swap, of him with um, 
let's say, uh, even Kramashki, who I think should be on the pitch all, at all times. But let's just say, like, I can understand wanting to just try to refresh the legs a little bit. But um, look at the, these games and this whole ex- this experiment, quote unquote, that we keep we keep going through and keep seeing these positive results from. The good thing is, is that it's showing, I think, to the league that I I don't know if this could be rigged. That'd be pretty, pretty impressive if someone could, you know, rig it like this. Um, but you're seeing Inter-Miami struggle. You're seeing some hints of the old Inter-Miami um, where it's they're not crisp and they're not defined in their passing and their game plan, fatigue, etc. both mental and physical. But look, in the end, sometimes it just takes one or two moments of brilliance to see to see what you need to see. And, and that obviously is messy. And, you know, to, to your point about Campana, I think him and Joseph, it's, it's still like two sides of two very different coins. Like there's a lot of pluses and minuses to both of them. Um, I don't know if this moved the needle in either direction because they both got good goals in the game. Um, but I think from a confidence standpoint, this was massive for Campana. Obviously he had the miss in Nashville, but he overall has been struggling to finish uh, I would say in recent games, especially with Messi. And so these two clinical finishes um, are exactly what your number nine is supposed to do. And the fact that he did it, no matter what, in terms of what happens in the next, whether he continues to start, comes off the bench, whatever it is, the level of confidence is going to be higher. And I think that's going to lead to more positive uh, reinforcement on the pitch. Yeah, I just want to touch on on one thing, one that, that Ashley brought up. And it's, and it's because, I mean, I understand what you're trying to say when you say the changes might've been because of fatigue, right? Cause that's kind of like, I guess I was trying to figure out why would that, that make those changes. But if you think about it, like who did he swap out? He swapped out Kremaski, who's 18. He's, yeah. He no, swapped out Arroyo that's in his, what, I think he's 30 or, or early thirties, something like that. He swapped out Robert Taylor. I mean, if it was for fatigue, how are those three young guys fatigued? And uh, Busi, Alba, and Messi, when you add them up, they're like 100 years of, of life between them. Like, that's, you know, and, and again, I understand the mind thought because I was thinking the same thing. But it, is it because they're fatigued? But look who's still on there. And then when I said, I just want to clarify one thing, too, before anybody uh, jumps on me here. When I said Messi struggled, I meant struggled to, like, get passes because the balls weren't getting to him. So he, and, and that's, Messi does this, I mean, Messi put two amazing passes to Cabana and, and, and multiple amazing passes. The struggling wasn't necessarily on his gameplay, but rather him struggling to get that ball because he, they weren't getting it to him. But yeah. So I have a couple things. One, about the fatigue and the rotation. It's a semifinal. And at the end of the day, you were never going to take off Busquets, Messi, and Alba. I don't care how mm-hmm. tired they were. It's a semifinal at the end of the day. So I think that for Tata Martino, it was what guys are somewhat tired and more expendable than someone like Messi, someone like Busquets, and someone like Alba. And then I guess he altered or he opted for Dixon, Arroyo, Benjamin, Kremeshi, and the like. So I, I, I'm not, I, I do still think that it was more of a fatigue-based change rather than a tactical change. I think it was something he felt was needed. I, I don't think you take off Messi. I, I just, you don't take off Messi. You don't take off Busquets. You don't take off Alba. And that's the reason they went 120 minutes tonight. It, it just wasn't going to happen. Now, do I see them possibly being rested in three days' time? Sure. Yeah, against Red Bulls away from home after this long road journey that they've had already. They've played, I think, what, eight games in 30-something days by now. Um, and now they have a two-day – a full. they only have 48 hours of full rest before they get on a plane to, to New York – or New Jersey, I should say, to play in Harrison at Red Bull Arena. And then they have another game three days after that. Then they have another game three days after that. And by the end of it, it's 11 games in 45 days. So this definitely was some sort of management, player management, when it comes to tiredness and fatigue. Uh, but I do agree that it was a little bit silly to do it, especially in hindsight now uh, in a in a semifinal, because I, I did think that there was some kind of hope with with this. And I think that at some point down the line, we had even talked about it on the show. We were expecting a back three from Tata Martino when Tomas Aviles was going to be inserted into the lineup. And in one of my recorded but I not posted uh, little lineup things that I, I made for Twitter uh, that didn't make the cut, I talked about Tomas Aviles playing on the outside of Kristoff rather than uh, yeah, Thomas Avila's right on the outside rather than him playing in the center, like the graphic was depicting on, on Twitter. And that's mainly because what we saw in tonight's game, 
Kristoff is a slower defender. We saw it throughout the league's cup. Kristoff is a slower defender. There are times where he gets beat in transition and Miami leave gaping holes of opportunity for other teams to get in and score. And I, and I think that you saw, you know, again, cause for concern, of course, but at the end of the day, they get over the line. But I think that you saw that tonight highlighted. Um, and I'm not going to fully ba- blame Sergey Kristoff. That's the type of player he is. And the players that are around him do need to help out. And that's why I think you saw the change for Miller and Aviles to play on either side of him. But then you go in to the second half and later when he makes the substitutions, and this is where I just want to give a huge, huge shout out to Noah Allen, because that guy has no business being a center back. He has, he doesn't have the size and stature. He's still young. He's an Academy product. And he's a great left back. Don't get me wrong. He plays under Jordi Alba on the depth chart. And I think that it's been great for him. But he's not a center back. Yet, he's having to do all the dirty work to defend Sergei Kirchhoff's very slow pace. He's made multiple recoveries in this match. He was on the ball a lot. I think he made a little over 35 passes in the 40 minutes that he played. I thought he had a phenomenal game. And that was another thing that we talked about in this podcast that I want you guys to talk about as well. How many times have we bring up the depth of this team? How many times have we said that, yes, the rotations, you know, of course we didn't necessarily like it today, but look who they brought on. They stayed in the game. They got it to 2-1, made the changes, and then they bring on Benjamin Kromeski, Facundo Farias, David Ruiz, who was forcing the issue the entire game. Granted, I didn't like it as much as I, I, I would. I should have, but I, I thought he was losing the ball a little too much. Noah Allen as well. There was Robert Taylor, of course, so many guys that they can insert into lineups late in games that can put teams out. And that's exactly what you saw against FC Cincinnati. Yes, Messi was a huge help in that. But two substitutions were the reason why they scored the third in extra time. Benjamin Kromeski and Joseph Martinez. Can you speak on the depth a little bit, Ashley? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think that I would be very surprised if um, for Saturday, if you don't see Facundo and uh Benjamin in the starting lineup. I would be very surprised because um, I think they both played outstanding. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, 100% the depth. And I think, you know, it's a blessing and a cur- curse for coaches when they have a fair amount of good players at their disposal when there's not such a drop-off, right, between your starting 11 and maybe your your next four. That's a good problem to have. But it's still, you know, he's still trying to figure that out. And um, I think like – oh. Ruiz, for example, I think is a really great substitute. I think that, yeah, he sometimes is losing the ball and, you know, going a little bit too big for his bridges, but I think he still makes a lot of great plays and has the vision and has the energy that you need in second half of games. Um, Defensively, I think that there's still work to be done in figuring out if you're going to go with the back three or back four and who the personnel are because, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. You're, we're seeing, you know, each game the defense is playing a little different. Some days better than others. There's still definitely the weak part of the team, but you know, it's it's just a matter of balancing the formation and seeing, you know, who's going to start and what's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be really interesting from a depth standpoint to see, you know, what they do with Arroyo, what they do with um, with like Robert Taylor, etc. Because these players have not necessarily deserve to lose their spot in the starting lineup, but it's, you know, about figuring out your new signings that are coming in. Um, where are they going to fit? Yeah. Uh, that's a huge discussion. And you have to think about Gregory too, who's going to come off the bench at some yeah. point at the, at the latter part of this, this, um, this MLS competition while they make a push for the playoffs. Go ahead, Gian. Know that you saw as soon as Benha came in, the, just the, the, the connection that he has, with joseph and that was i mean right literally right off the bat with an immediate impact so i i agreed with with ashley i i, I see them you know them starting uh, next game and uh, obviously facundo farias as well but it's just insane that you almost have like two two starting 11s or or a starting 11 and half a starting 11 on on the bench and i mean that i i think that yeah, it's going to be tough for Tata moving forward to figure out what maybe the, the 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 more stable lineup is going to be. But I also see, I guess, you know, we've seen in other leagues and other teams that sometimes also depending on what the competition is, 
you know, some, and obviously we're too early or too late rather in, in, in this season, but maybe starting next season is where you see maybe a different team for leagues cup and maybe a different team for us open cup or a different, you know, so I, I think we'll see a, more of a variation starting next season. I would be hesitant to want to see too much variation right now, just because there's no real room right now to kind of mess up. You need a lot of consistency being that you've, you've basically started this new process halfway through the season. You don't have that time to play around and tinker around. You've got to, whatever works, you need to make sure you you use that moving forward, especially with a final coming up and 12 games left in the season. Uh, That's going to be important. Again, just being more stable right now, not so much of of the tinkering. Speaking of the final, uh, Houston have just taken a 2-0 lead over rail salt lake which means that if the result holds it's here in the first half by the way if the result holds the u.s open cup final will be held in south florida do we know where no not exactly but if you go back to a couple of weeks ago jorge mas said that it's a huge possibility for them to try and get it to be at hard rock stadium says he has a relationship with Stephen ross and they would try and make that happen for the september 27th final so that's something that we're going to go ahead and keep an eye on throughout the rest of this live show but it's two nil i think they're checking the goal right now uh but on our way back outside of this sponsor break from mosaics uh we'll have some more messy talk for you are you ready to transform your space into a masterpiece introducing mosaics your destination for stones and more mosaics is a family-owned business serving the community for over 20 years with the best quality porcelain ceramic tiles and high-end mosaics featuring unique modern designs Mosaics has everything you need. Dedicated customer service, wholesale distributors, and a passion for excellence. Make sure you visit mosaics.com today to turn your vision into a reality. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Again, Drake Callender makes the save uh, to in, in the end penalties, the, the fifth save. Um, they, they had scored the first four, but that wasn't the only thing he did in this one. Time and time again, when Cincinnati were through on goal, he came up huge. Um, and I think that right now you're seeing the ascension of a U.S. men's national team possible starter. I think that you're seeing somebody who's going to get called into camp at least regularly when you think of – um, you know, the guys like Sean Johnson, who are third on the depth chart in MLS. I think Drake Callender has a huge uh, conversation around him and, and reason why he should be that number three and possibly number two kind of guy. Benjamin Kromeshke was called into, well, he's on the provisional squad, I should say, for the United States men's national team going into the September window uh, with games against Oman and can't remember the other one but some random finals or random friendlies for the u.s men's national team let's talk about drake because um man he twice now he's not necessarily put the team on his back but he's been the savior messi's really put the team on his back but he's been the savior thus far for inter miami and we've seen this over the last couple of years 
Um, you know, it, it's it's been the Drake calendar show ever since he took over for Nick Marsman um, in the later parts of 2021, maybe early 2022. I don't really remember, but it's not something that we who have watched into Miami are not accustomed to. But for everybody tuning into the messy show and seeing that guy between the sticks, what do we say about our, our guy, Drake? I mean, what again, performance? Go ahead, Go Daniel. Ahead. Yeah, I, I just I, he just com- continues to save us. I, I mean, what, what can I say? I, there's there's been a lot of times where he's kept helped us keep the lead, but also helped us stay in the game. And I, I think he's he's leading the team right now in goals saved and goals scored. Uh, so that's uh, really amazing for him. And he's so young. He's, I think he's uh, like 25 years old. So just the fact that he, I, I, right now he's starting to, to bloom and flourish, it looks like he's going to have a lot of, uh, you know, he's being called into the, uh, to the U.S. men's team. That's even more, I think, uh, more um, a bigger chance for him to learn from some of the best. And just to know that we've already got a great goalie. You know, people talk about, and I've heard this a lot, you know, built, not bought and all that, that, that foolishness. Hey, you know, we maybe bought one of the best players in the world that wanted to come to our side, but we're also got the homegrowns and we're growing talent within. And what better uh, example than players like Kremaski and, and Drake who are flourishing within our, you know, our, our products of our system. So uh, again, just one of the most important players. Uh, he sometimes goes, I think, um, you know, under, I, I guess that we we see a lot of Messi, we see a lot of Boosie, we see a lot of Alba, but sometimes we have some players that maybe don't get the limelight. And I think that Drake is very deserving of that limelight. And especially in these last two games, I think he's been one of the more valuable, other than Messi, one of the most valuable players on our team. Yeah, I would also, I mean, it makes me very sad to say, but I would be shocked if in this offseason he's not picked up by a team in, in Europe. I say I'd say tomorrow he could be starting for a championship side in England. I think that within two seasons he could be starting for for teams in the Premier League. To I think maybe even a top 10 team in the Premier League would have him as their backup goalkeeper right now. Like that's at the level he's playing at. And so, you know, this is going to be part of the messy effect and the experiment. And I mean, we're not going to go super deep into it today, but Inter Miami are going to have to start figuring out ways to one, recuperate some of the money that they're spending, obviously on these marquee players. Um, with it, whether it's for the general allocation or just in general playing by to do fair play. And one of those things could be selling someone like Drake calendar, because he, like I said, he is playing at such a high level right now that he could be starting in Europe tomorrow. Um, and so it's, it, which is great to see, you know, we wanted to show, like you said, the homegrown players, the players who have been there from, you know, through the hard times and being able to maximize the moments that they have with Messi because, Every so we see it when like during leagues cup, every time the best player of the opposing team, like doubled their social media following each game after playing against Messi. And that's, that's what players are going to do. They're going to try and put their best performance every time they share the field with him, because it's their moment to help better their career and better themselves too. And so that's like a positive, right? That we're seeing all of this people putting in their best efforts and trying to, you know, reach new heights. That's what part of greatness is, is that you influence those around you. And so I think we're seeing that with Messi uh, firsthand in every action by him, by the starting 11, even with fatigue, you know, you're still seeing the mental, the fortitude, the toughness being at such a higher level than it's ever been before for this team. There's a, a couple of interesting notes about that calendar transfer topic, because it's been a staple in MLS now for the last two, three seasons, really, with Matt Turner, Gaga Salina, um, and now Jordi Petrovic from from the Revs being bought uh, by Chelsea. It's I, I don't want to see Drake leave. I, it's something that I, I think that the club is probably going to do everything in their power and probably has, looking back, done in their power to keep him on the roster by signing him to an extension before the year even started. Um, and he's making about 325k, um, and I think that that's obviously really great value for the top keeper or one of the top keepers, if not the top keeper in MLS. That's you know just half of what the maximum budget is for a regular senior player, but he does get homegrown status, so I don't even know if he qualifies for that senior roster spot. So he's really not taking up much. Um, I think that if an offer comes in 
something like the Jordi Petrovic deal that just happened with Chelsea for a couple million, you have to think about it. But I, I would really love for Miami to retain him for as long as possible, or at least see out his deal. Because at 28 years old, when it's over, I believe um, you're still in your prime as, as a keeper. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see with the whole messy story, how players are going to feel about coming and going um, at Drake's age. You know, he's not 18 like Gaga was, but he is around the same age that Petrovic was, is right now at 23, 24, 25 um, and entering that part of his career. So it's just a very interesting discussion. I'm glad you brought it up. We'll have to, we'll have to have some more talk about it on the pod. And speaking of the podcast, everybody, if you're enjoying what you're watching and you're enjoying the messy content and watching Messi on a, four-day basis at this point make sure you check out our show um on apple on spotify on google uh messy and co go ahead and look it up we we post in english and in spanish uh multiple times a week in between game days before game days after game days uh so if you could do us a favor and follow the show on your favored uh podcast platform that would do us a huge favor uh rate leave comments on our twitter as well at messy and co uh we we look to get to everybody and, and on all the comments there so if you could please go ahead and do that, it would be awesome. Make sure you subscribe to the Five Reasons Sports Network YouTube channel um, because this is where obviously our post game content is, and this this also this uh, this feed here that we're 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 talking now is going to be posted on the podcast feed as well. So if you miss anything, uh, go ahead and check it out there. Uh, Messi and Co on both Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you guys are interested. Man. I do want to oh just really quickly. Sorry before we move on to the next topic. Uh, you had mentioned earlier about how great Noah Allen was too. And Mm -hmm. so what I really think is another kind of note, and it's within the realm of what I just said about Drake and the transfer. Another interesting thing that I think we have to see is that if by playing for either teams that directly compete with Messi or on the same team as Messi is going to speed up your trajectory to go to Europe and to go to top five leagues or even to stay in MLS, but be a superstar, that I know it's very early in the experiment, but you're going to start to see, I mean, Messi makes everyone look good because of how great he is. And so that's going to really, and so I think you may start to see more young, talented players, especially from South America, feed more into MLS. You may even see some in Europe if they don't think they're going to get first team football, um, but then they can come here and they can get first team, especially I'd even say, you know, this is getting granular, but in the East, if they join the East and they know they're going to play Messi at least two times a year, all of those things matter. You know, they're going to start they're going to start wanting to be able to take advantage of the moment, the career, all the eyeballs that are watching. Um and so yeah, I just just a little note to put out there that you it's going to be interesting to see how for both Inter Miami players and players that play against Inter Miami, how is their top talent from young ages going to start filtering into the system knowing that they may have a higher quicker chance of getting to to europe and let's be real this has already happened you think of diego gomez you think of facundo Farias, you think of tomas avilas you think of the homegrowns that miami have brought up and probably the inspiration that's you know you know going all throughout the academy right now from all levels and age groups that is where you have a real real discussion about those kinds of players making that jump mls has was seen for some players as sort of that kind of jump but it wasn't the surefire one that we're going to experience now with Messi on the roster um as uh, ashley has just mentioned let's talk about one of those young guys though diego gomez there are a lot of people here in the comments talking about his performance um and kind of where he stands right now in the midfield twice now he's been put into the starting lineup by Tata Martino. He had um, an interesting start, to say the least, against FC Dallas. It was not something that we were necessarily happy with after his uh, substitution appearance against uh, Orlando City. And now he starts again after, in my opinion, Ben Hutt had an okay game against uh, Nashville. It wasn't anything great, but it wasn't anything to get benched for. So we talked about those fatigue kind of rotations. Um, Gian, I'll go with you and you can continue your rants today. Uh, what what in the world (laughs) was going on with Miami's midfield and specifically Diego Gomez today? I I think the midfield just didn't make sense because you're used to like, we were playing with a a back line of four and with that back line of four, no, sorry. What I meant is previously, like um, before this game, we, our team was playing with a back line of four and you had our fullbacks that would push up 
And that was okay because you, I mean, even though it was giving us some fits because on the counters, we were we were left open with, you know, the slower center backs having to catch uh, the counter. But you also had Busquets and Arroyo kind of, you know, playing not all the time as two pivots, but sometimes as two pivots being able to kind of, you know, help out on the defense. But what happens now, and I thought was quite strange, was I feel like the mid the midfield personnel didn't match having three center backs. Because it was three center backs. Uh, we had Alba and Yedlin that were playing up. But then you only had Busquets that was really defensive. You had... And you had so much of him with all the exactly Ex yeah exactly uh-huh he was already tired to start with you've got three center backs but then you've got um you've got john mota that goes you know is, is trying to be part of the attack you've got diego gomez that is very offensive that that at times was playing higher than messi himself so to me that whole scheme didn't really work for the midfield and then you know, I, I didn't think it was the best performance by Diego Gomez, but I think that that was also kind of expanded on because of the fact that he was just leaving gaping holes because I don't think he was in the right position. You, like that he was like, you don't take out Arroyo and put in Diego Gomez like that just doesn't make sense to me. That's not a, a natural a natural fit. So that just that throws Diego Gomez off even more. He wants to go up and then you but the position he's in requires him to also help back so to me that again just was was strange to put him in that position i think diego gomez don't get me wrong i think he's a very talented player i think he brings something that miami needs uh he's a strong player he he likes kicking from outside the box which is something that's and i've seen a lot of his highlight videos is something that he does very well so it's something we need i just think John that I, I, yeah, but like to remember, Austin, we had this discussion before. We were trying to figure out like who would he go in for, and you had nailed it on the head before, in my opinion, when you said you know if he goes in, it's not going to be for Arroyo. It's it's probably going to be for maybe Kremaski. Yeah. That would kind of be what the the fit was. So for him to like not go in for I guess that specific role and to go in for more of an Arroyo role, that's what threw the entire midfield and, out of whack. And the same thing with Mata, right? Because going into his first Inter-Miami appearances, John Motta was seen as more of a box-to-box -box eight to go up and down and kind of do what he was doing tonight when Diego Gomez was doing tonight with a guy like Busquets or Gregory, you know, behind him. And then it didn't really work. It wasn't, wasn't working as well as they would have hoped under Phil Neville alongside Gregory in that double pivot. And then you shifted John Motta or Phil Neville shifted Jean Monta in more of a regista type role where he was sitting with his back to the center backs and playing as the quarterback pretty much of the field. That's what Jean Monta's role was before he got injured, before Messi came. And then you bring in Sergio Busquets. And obviously there is no debate about who's going to take over that regista type role in Inter Miami's midfield. It's 100% going to be Busquets. Now Jean Monta and Tata Martino need to figure out what his role is going to be going forward because tonight cannot be it. Same thing with Diego Gomez. Tonight cannot be it. I don't care if there's three defenders. I don't care if there's five defenders. Whatever happened in that midfield tonight was not something that is sustainable at all. I, I think that the lines were extremely broken. They were, they were not able to connect between the defense and the attack, even with Jordi Alba and DeAndre Yedlin looking like wingers sometimes. It looked like Miami were more playing in a 4-4-2 when they were on the yeah. ball because of DeAndre Yedlin moving forward so much. And then when the ball shifted to the opposite side, it was a very fluid formation. Don't get me wrong, and I do understand what Tata was trying to do, but he doesn't have the personnel to do it right now. Maybe when Gregory comes, you see a little bit more stability because he's more of that you know bulldozer-type defender that – or mid defensive midfielder, I should say, that will you know retain possession, win the ball back alongside Busquets, lay it off when he needs to. But Jean Monta has more of an eagerness to get forward when he's not reduced to a role where he has to play that regista type kind of thing. So I think that that derives some issues as well alongside everything that was going on with Diego Gomez. I thought, I mean, I think that Benjamin Kromeski alongside Busquets is more of a natural fit. It, it really, it really just is. Um, and the reason behind that, and especially with Dixon Arroyo, is because Busquets 
really should not be going forward as much as we saw in, in the previous matches. He, he doesn't need to. He can play that deeper lying role and, and be able to pick out passes that don't need to be the most extravagant ones. They need to be the simple ones that progress the ball. That's what this team needs right now, and I think you saw that tonight. Um, and when you put in a guy like Kromeshki, who can make these darting runs in between you know, the opposition to, to find those gaps to receive the ball and make a turn and go forward. That's the kind of player that needs to be playing alongside him. And then when you think about Dixon Arroyo versus uh, Diego Gomez, Dixon Arroyo is going to back up Sergio Go- or Sergio Busquets no matter what. He is going to back him up. He's going to drop him between defenders. He's going to make sure that he retains possession, wins it back, and, and builds a block in front of goal that stops the other team from scoring. You saw none of that tonight from Mata and from Diego Gomez. Without a player like that alongside Jean Mata, he struggled in his history with Inter-Miami. Without Gregory on the pitch, he struggled in Inter-Miami history. There have been times and moments where Jean Mata and Gregory cannot play together because of yellow cards and injuries, and this has happened over the last couple of seasons. I've watched it happen very closely. When they're on the field together, it's great, but that's because they complement each other very well. The three players that were on the field tonight for Inter-Miami in the midfield did not complement each other at all, and I think that Tata might have thought by you know inserting the wingbacks into more of a midfield-type role, playing a 3-5-2, it would help out a little bit with the connection going forward. Without a true winger like Robert Taylor, like Facundo Farias, who should have probably debuted two games ago, but we finally get to see him tonight, they struggled. They struggled massively, and things will have to change when you go into MLS. But at the end of the day, you have Messi, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> and what's really the most amazing, I think, is that the competitiveness and excitement that Messi has for this team already, it's just, you know, yeah, he was obviously tired tonight, but – the joy, like when the camera was following him and the joy when Campana got that second header and they continued on and just winning the game, Calendar getting the, the save during the penalties, he's still so passionate and so enjoying it. And I think he wants to continue to make history. And so we're seeing it. And it's really, really fun. I agree. I saw some comments that the last 12 games for MLS are going to be really intense. I totally agree. I think that you know, the, the Messi may be going for the treble. It would be, it would be, cause you don't know the other two tournaments. There's so many other, you know, factors that are out of your control to get those two already. It's, it, you know, it would be quite a triumph and um, yeah, it's just been great to see his energy, his excitement, his, his, you know, togetherness with the team. I think the personnel, it'll continue, they'll continue to adjust and edit. I agree about um, you can't have, you can't have Gomez, you can't have two forward-thinking midfielders like a Mota and a Gomez. I think the beautiful thing about Benjamin's game has been that while he is forward-thinking and he's been fantastic at creating, he also is he's, he reads the what the offense is going to do and is able to defend and he's able to help Busquets when he needs it. Um, just covering more ground, covering it really efficiently, you know. And and for only being 18, the way he covers ground, um, it's pretty remarkable. And so, yeah, U.S. Men's National Team doing a little bit of a wing and a wing in a prayer to try and get Kramoski. I think, I think it's probably not going to happen at this point, um, but it's exciting. It's an exciting time. If it does happen, I dude, I would, if I would happens, be happy. I, guaranteed him I mean, he doesn't fine. let's, let's be real. He's not guaranteed anything. I, I don't think that he's necessarily a starter for the men's national team. I don't think he makes a 23 or a 26, but He's 18 years old. It's a prospect for the future. He's not breaking into the Argentina first team either. Um, but when you look at a prospect like that in dual national specifically, uh, the U.S. men's national team has hit on them lately. I'm sure Argentina will want him as well, especially playing alongside Messi. So that'll be a fun little uh, dual national showdown uh, to keep eyes on in the next couple months. And if he accepts a possible call up from the men's national, the U.S. men's national team for that that summer or that that September window, because in that same window, I do believe that Argentina are playing World Cup qualifiers, which I don't believe he'll be caught up for. So he can take the friendly games, not make the commitment, see what he likes in camp under Greg Berhalter, which probably won't be a lot. Uh, but he can he can go ahead and, and get that environment and see what it's like. He's done it before. He's been with the youth teams uh, with the United States, but he has a very big decision looming in his uh, very sh- young career thus far. Yeah, and I hear I see a lot of talk about Inter's defense and I know that obviously defense has been 
I guess, one of our weaknesses. But I will, I, I do think. Welcome to MLS. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I will say, say this. I, I know that the defense still needs much improvement, but I do think it has improved somewhat over the last few games. I mean, if we look back to, you know, before this game, and I think this game is a little different because of the formation change and the personnel change and that sort of thing, and obviously the fatigue. But before this, in our last three games, I believe we only allowed two goals in three games. That's an improvement for Inter Miami on the defensive end. A, a huge, huge. So I do want to give props to the defense, even though, again, we do need some some improvements there. Um, but I think, that at least in this game, one of the reasons that the defense was seeing, I mean, just look at how, look at how Cincinnati pressured the defense and pressured our midfield. They were pressuring with three, sometimes four. And what ended up happening is they weren't letting Miami build out from the back. And they were, we had a lot of, they were forcing a lot of errors on that, on uh, trying to get out of our own side of the field where they turned into quick counterattacks and then throw that into the second half of the game where, you know, Inter Miami was giving a lot of possession to Cincinnati and Cincinnati was getting a lot of attempts on, on goal. So I, I feel like this game, if the defense wasn't solid or, or less solid, rather, maybe this could have been a game where Cincinnati would have scored even more, in my opinion, because they had a lot of what's like they had. Luckily, the defense was able to control a lot of these opportunities and not let them turn into something major or actually goal opportunities. But you know, I, I think they were solid, kind of, in, in my opinion. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you said a lot on the defense, and I, I do agree with most of it. I don't want to touch on it too, too much, just because I kind of expected at this point, and I think that with the defenders that we have and the decisions that have to be made going forward, Tata Martino probably won't stick with a back five. I, I, I don't see it happening, especially after that comment? tonight. Sorry. It was a Ray Hudson comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is a Ray Hudson comment for sure. Uh, it was great to see him on the, or hear him on the call, by the he way. Was. Um, was he deserved awesome. to have that. He deserved to have that messy, messy game. You know, I saw a comment from Ignacio and he said, um, this was a very inter Miami performance and team. And I think that is a perfect way to describe it because that is the inter Miami of the past of the last few years where exactly. Yeah. It, it, and you know, uh, there were a lot of tired legs, which is to be expected. It's been a grueling schedule. We understand that, but what makes this different than ever before is because a thing a game we would normally lose, lose by two or three goals, lose by getting, you know, someone getting a red card and bringing us down to 10 men. It didn't happen. And we were able to, yeah, we were down to two zero, but for, I would say the level we were playing, which was really low compared to where we've been and compared to where Cincinnati is, we kept ourselves in the game where it only took a few moments. Like, and I say only, it took a few mo moments of brilliance by Messi to be able to get back in. But that's part of why he's here. And that's part of the right. difference. That's the messy difference is that as long as you keep yourself within, you know, like an arm's reach of the impossible, he can make that possible. And so it's just an example of, yeah, we have a lot of things we can pick holes into like a porcupine's pillow, but, <laughs> um, but there's still a lot of good. And I think the overall good is that we won into Miami one and they're going to host a final. And that is the messy effect. Potentially is, host the final. Okay, you're right. Sorry, I don't knock on wood. Uh, that is the messy effect, and that is what is, you know, making it so enjoyable, I think, for the fans of the community, being able to get over those little those little humps and, and still make something really positive out of it. Gian, you raised a really good point about Cincinnati's presses, um, and I really liked what you said, and it made me think about what kind of went on in this one. They didn't exactly play to Nashville's style. There were times where they defended in a block of eight or even ten, but then there were times where they made Miami uncomfortable building out of the back in a formation that's new player positioning and everything like that was a struggle for inter Miami. Pat Noonan noticed that right away and triggered very quick and effective presses uh, from Cincinnati to Miami's back line to where they had trouble building out from there. And it led to some chances like you mentioned. And I think that that is another um, kind of idea worth noting is that teams don't only don't only have to sit back and you know 
absorb Miami's pressure for 90 minutes. If they can go ahead and make Miami a little bit uncomfortable, you have the guys like Kamal Miller and Sergey Kristoff who aren't necessarily the greatest. And you even have a goalkeeper in Drake Counter who's not the best distributor of the ball either. So if you can make those quick trigger presses by, you know, taking two, maybe three players to the guy who's on the ball and spacing out a little bit when he gets ready to pass, but then making sure that you get back because if that pass beats you, it's the most lethal attack right now in all of the league and all of the continent, really. But if you can go ahead and do that effectively, that's another thing Miami might have to watch for within the league. And it's something that going into Saturday, which we're definitely going to talk about on the pod, go ahead and check it out, by the way, uh, Messi and Co., Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, and all that. Um, Follow us on Twitter. And follow us on Twitter at Messi and Co. Um, going into Saturday against the New York Red Bulls team, that that's kind of their forte, and it has been in MLS for quite some time, and they have the players to do that. It's something that I will keep an eye on, and will Tata Martino have to adjust for that? Will we? See, what kind of adjustments will we see going into Saturday is kind of where I'm at right now. Um, but really, my eyes are also on this uh, U.S. Open Cup other semifinal with Houston and RSL. Uh, Houston up 1-0. There was a goal taken away. It was 2-0, but a goal taken away of offside later uh, in that first half. Now they're in the 54th minute, and the game has been extremely open. Chances on both ends. I can imagine this one having a crazy finish. If Houston retain this result, which is 1-0, and they win this match, uh, Miami will host the U.S. Open Cup final in the latter part of September uh, in South Florida. There is not an exact location right now, but Jorge Mas has been quoted um, by saying that they would look for a bigger venue, possibly Hard Rock Stadium, and his relationship with Stephen Ross could make that happen. If RSL come back and score two goals at the minimum to beat Houston, the game will be played in Salt Lake. Uh, and, and that will just come at a time where Miami will have a grueling, grueling schedule. They've already had a grueling schedule. By the time September 3rd comes around, which is the LAFC game, that will be their 11th game in 45 days so on average they've been playing every four days right now they only have about a 48 hour window until they go again um to harrison new jersey to play new york red bulls then they play on wednesday against nashville uh at home which would be nice to be at home and you have sunday monday tuesday off but then again you're playing on wednesday and i should note as well for anybody who's in south florida looking to go to the game against nashville there will be the league's cup trophy presentation then so that is something that everybody can look forward to fans can look forward to uh on wednesday Whew, okay so where are we at i i mean the, <laughs> we've talked about drake calendar we've talked about the midfield we've talked about the messy heroics and gian had that amazing rant on leonardo campana <laughs> our ecuadorian king um where, where where else what other notes do we have from from this one anything to I, add guys i just want to thank pat noonan on uh making that uh on making that uh, uh santos substitute substitution because he is fast for nothing oh my goodness like he i mean he missed multiple goals that he should have had and like there was one where he beat beat christoph and he had him like completely beat. He had nobody in front of him. And instead of shooting the ball, he puts the worst pass I've ever seen. And it, I was like, thank you, Pat Noonan. Thank you so much for that substitution. I was just going to say that. Like, to take man. out Luciano Acosta and Brandon Vasquez was a choice. That I will say. I know it was 2-0, 2-1 two two maybe. Uh, and they were going ahead to, to play for pens or at least for extra time or try and win the game, see the game out. But really, I, I think that nobody took – if the instructions were out to see the game out, nobody took those instructions because they kept going for goal. Cincinnati didn't take the ball to yeah, the they corner. they didn't go to the corner at all. It was crazy. I, I was so shocked by that. And I don't know if that's on the players or if it's on Pat himself from Cincinnati, but that I thought was the choice. The Sergio Santos substitution – uh, in hindsight, obviously not a good choice, but I thought that with what Tata Martino was getting ready to be forced to do because they were down, which was make substitutions and go more attacking, Pat Noonan got out in front of that. This was before the Noah Allen substitution. This is before Kamal Miller came off. He went ahead and put on Santos, and I thought, okay, if Santos has a chance to run at Sergey Kristoff here and he's a lone center back, it could prove to be really dangerous. Well, it, it was uh, kind of, but it, 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 it literally didn't. Like, I, I didn't think that an attack of Kubo and Santos were going to at least get a third goal in extra time, much less a third in in 
you know, regular time. Once Joseph Martinez scored, I thought that they'd be able to see the game out because without, you know, Lucci and without Brandon Vasquez and their other DP, uh, Bupendenza, I, I was like, there's no way they score a third. All credit to Kubo on that goal. I mean, he had Drake Calendar full stretch off the fingertips, hits the side netting uh, with a lot of power, really nothing Drake could do there. So a really good goal to, to make it 3-3, but that was uh, those were some interesting choices. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, hey, look, we've talked about, we've talked about in, the, in the past about Data's substitutions, and sometimes we've criticized him about making those substitutions too late. I'm curious to see what you guys think. Yeah. I want to see what you guys think about those substitutions. Like you think it was a right timing or would you like to see them a bit sooner? Um, well, I think, uh, I think the first round of substitutions was good. It was early. It was early. What was it? It was in the fifties. Wasn't it the first round or was it in the sixties? You had, I believe Facundo Farias, and Robert Taylor come on in the 58th minute uh, and Noah Allen all in the 58th, 59th. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was, I mean, I maybe at halftime it would have been easier, but I think he, you know, he was trying to give the team a chance to kind of like come into their own. Um, I, Kramoski, Sorry, David Ruiz, not Noah Allen. Sorry, David Ruiz. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think that the first three, it was good. It was fast. I think he waited a little bit too long, maybe in the end to get Kramashki, even though obviously it ended up working out. But um, I thought he was aggressive enough with it to start with a change of three. Um, but, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I would have liked to see right like right coming out of halftime in in my opinion i i think yeah. that i think that you saw that first That's half true. and you're like we got nothing going for us in this first half like i i would have said you know again hindsight is 2020 like you said and uh, i don't know what goes through tata's mind he's he's obviously the coach but i just personally would have liked to have seen that right from the get-go like waste no time you know? yeah all right we'll leave you guys with this with ashley who gets your man of the match before you head out ashley Messi, Campana, or Drake? Hold up before you before you say anything. <laughs> Honestly, uh, my my man of the match is Campana. He scored the two goals. He he took his moment. He had you know, like we said, he had only two chances of real chances to score, and he scored on both. He batted a thousand. He did exactly what was asked of him as a number nine, and he did it in the sudden death. Um, Messi could win men in the match every single match, um, whether he plays or not. <laughs> but to you know, to to show that everyone else I think is doing their part, Campana did exactly what the number nine is supposed to do, especially in that formation. He when he got good service, he executed. Very very good point. I know Gian agrees. Shoo, that's a tough one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, Ashley Campana, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Not the not not an amazing game. But the game that he needed to play, he did what he needed to do. And uh, definitely, he is one of the biggest reasons we won today. Uh, but props to Messi on the beautiful passes, because without him, Campana doesn't get Messi's that Messi's the ball. man of the team. Like, he's the man of <laughs> yep. the club. He's the man of the city. He's the man of the league. So, you know, we'll share the wealth a little. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I guess we can do that. I guess we can do that. <laughs> All right, Ashley, thank you uh, very much for jumping on this post game. Gian and I will continue here for a little bit longer. Um, but any any last words before you go? Um, nothing. Thanks everyone for watching. It's been really awesome. Um, I'm excited for our match preview for Saturday against the Red Bulls and just um, seeing what shakes out with the Houston game. If Inter Miami is going to be hosting this final. Um, and just again, let's keep our eyes on those uh, on the young players and on just the value that he's bringing that Messi's bringing to his teammates and to see how that keeps uh, keeps unfolding. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
Facebook guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.